0: machine, surely one of the most important and useful machines ever devised. So who'd have thought it would be mixed up with riots, politics and revolutionary rhetoric? And so many people were involved from all around the world, a couple of whom eventually died in the poorhouse. There was a flurry of sewing machine patents filed in the first half of the 19th century along with a number of patent infringement cases. In France in the early 1800s there were mobs of torch-waving tailors, obviously worried about losing their livelihoods, who destroyed 80 sewing machines. A newer, better machine was designed, but the unruly tailors struck yet again. Across the pond, a Yankee mechanical genius designed a simple machine, but had second thoughts about the prospect of putting seamstresses and tailors out of business, so he abandoned his idea. A tailor then began to design a very similar machine, but a series of unfortunate business decisions, treacherous business partners and a trip overseas left him destitute. He pawned his machines and patent papers to cover the cost of steerage back to the US. On his return, however, he saw that the sewing machine had proliferated. Court cases followed, but he pursued his infringers so fiercely and with such singled-minded determination that he won every case. His name was Elias Howe, but it's his association with a man whose name was to become so well-known in the world of domestic sewing machines that eventually made them both very rich men. And that man was Isaac Singer. So Stitch Safari listeners, it's time to reacquaint ourselves with the unusual and almost tortuous history of the domestic sewing machine. Something I know I take very much for granted and it's something just one generation ago you would have expected to find in most homes. As mundane as it sounds, the sewing machine actually has a fascinating and fairly well-recorded history. So let's jump straight in. Hello and welcome to the Stitch Safari Podcast, a sprightly and upbeat expedition into the alluringly appealing ambrosial world of stitch history, art and embroidery. Each fortnight we'll trek through and discover the utilitarian, the decorative, the quirky and the just plain fun world that is the art of the needle. My name's Cathy Jack Copeland and I'm the Stitch Safari Expedition Leader. I'm an Australian textile artist, teacher, judge, blogger and stitch enthusiast whose work in contemporary machine stitch became my business. Prior to the 19th century no one thought about sewing. There were no machines so it was all stitching uh, so all the stitching was worked by hand. It was simply a necessity of everyday life. It was time-consuming and never-ending. But before we even begin this fascinating saga, it seems to me that the whole angst surrounding the sewing machine hinges on the idea of patents. So what is a patent? And according to Wikipedia, a patent is a type of intellectual property that gives its owner the legal right to exclude others from making, using or selling an invention for a limited period of time in exchange for publishing and enabling disclosure of the invention. And as I said before, patents appear to be pivotal, not only in the evolution of our beloved sewing machine, but in enabling us to trace its history as well. So let's move on. Now, there'd be no sewing machine without a needle. And in 1755, German immigrant Charles Wiesenthal was issued a British patent for a needle There was no mention of any form of a machine to go with it except that it was a needle meant to be used on a mechanical sewing machine. How interesting then that it takes yet another 34 years before an English cabinet maker, Thomas Saint, invented what is considered to be the first real sewing machine, one that could make a hole in leather that allowed the passing of a needle through it. The odd thing here is that no one really knows if the machine was actually ever built. Possibly Saint only patented the idea. However, an attempt was made in the 1880s to build the machine according to Saint's drawings, although this could only be achieved with considerable modification. And this, dear listeners, is where the story starts to Fragment there were two more inventions patented in 1804 one was granted to france uh, sorry in france to thomas stone and james henderson this machine apparently attempted to emulate hand stitching the other patent was to scott john duncan whose design included a number of needles however nothing is known of the fate of either of these inventions According to one source, German inventor Balthazar Krems was the next to produce a machine for sewing caps something, uh, sometime around 1810, but no patents were taken out and the story of what happened to his machine simply ends there. Viennese tailor Joseph Mattisberger was the next to to develop a new design for a sewing machine and was eventually granted a patent in 1814 and, aided by grants from the Austrian government, was still working to perfect his design in 1839. Unfortunately, he failed to make all the elements work together successfully and died a pauper. If this is at all confusing, then apologies. It's a circuitous route, but trust me, we're going to get there. 1818 saw two Vermont churchmen, John Adams Doge and partner John Knowles, make a device that could produce a reasonable stitch. However, it could only sew a short length of material before having to be laboriously reset. Now we start to see some traction in this convoluted story of intrigue and invention. In 1830, a patent was granted by the French government for a sewing machine that was uh, that used a barbed needle, invented by Barthélemy Thimonnier. This machine was made almost entirely using wood and was designed to recreate embroidery However, Thémonia saw its potential as a sewing machine. He was given a contract to build a number of machines and use them to sew uniforms for the French army. Within 10 years, he had a successful factory running 80 sewing machines, but Parisian tailors feared that they would be put out of work because of these machines, so late one night they stormed the factory, destroying every machine in sight. Thamonia fled for his life, salvaging just one machine in his flight to England. Now, you'd have to think that this man who produced the first practical sewing machine, who offered them for sale commercially, and who ran the first government factory, would have acquired wealth and ease. Sadly, no. He died in the poorhouse in 1857. Back now to America in 1833, Quaker Walter Hunt invented a machine that used a lock stitch using two spools of thread as well as an eye pointed needle, similar to what we use today. But as it could only produce short straight seams, it was deemed unsuccessful. And by 1843, it's hard to believe that yet another American, John Greenort, produced a machine where the needle passed through the cloth completely, yet could find no support for its manufacture. It's absolutely no wonder then that there's so much argument about who actually invented the first sewing machine. It's a complex and complicated history but what is absolutely clear is that without all this angst and anger from these amazing mechanical pioneers the sewing machine may uh, not be what it is today. And without patent papers, we wouldn't be able to trace the veracity of their stories. It's not until 1844 when all the essentials that makes up a modern sewing machine actually come together. When Englishman John Fisher invented a machine designed to produce lace. It was, however, also a working sewing machine. Miss filing at the Patents Office meant that this invention was overlooked during the long legal battles that that were to come over the origins of the sewing machine. It also meant that John Fisher never received any recognition for his invention. There was a flurry of inventions in the 1840s. However, Elias Howe, a Massachusetts farmer, completed his first prototype just a short time after Fisher and patented his invention just a year later. He invented a process that used thread from two different sources, one fed through the machine needle with an eye at the point that pierced through the fabric to create a loop, on the reverse that is, and a shuttle on a track that slips the second thread through the loop on the bottom. And there we have the working lock stitch. Hal tried garnering interest from the tailoring trade, uh, even arranging a competition setting his machine up against the finest hand stitches in America. Even though his machine won, and despite endless demonstrations, there was no interest in a mechanised sewing machine. He had not made even one sale. In debt, Howe sent his brother to England with the machine, in the hope of fostering interest there, but could find only one backer, a corset maker by the name of William Thomas. Howe sailed to England to further develop the machine for Thomas, but the two fell out, each accusing the other of failing to honour agreements. Howe returned to America to find that the concept of a mechanised sewing machine had finally caught on. Dozens of manufacturers, including Isaac Merritt Singer, were busily producing sewing machines, all of which contravened Elias Howe's Patents. A series of long lawsuits followed, only settled when big companies pooled their patents and fought as one unit to protect their monopoly. Singer, amongst others, was first uh, forced to pay a lump sum of patent royalties to Howe, as well as including him in a share of the I.M. Singer profits. Singer Machines went into mass production in the 1850s. He built the first commercially successful machine uh, where the needle moved up and down rather than side to side and was powered by a foot treadle to move the needle rather than hand cranked. He also pioneered the higher purchase system along with some pretty aggressive sales tactics. He took the sewing machine out of the factory and put it into the home. For family use. Both he and Elias Howe ended their days as multi-millionaires. Now the invention of the sewing machine landed slap bang in the period of the industrial revolution. That transition time from when goods were created by hand to that of creating goods by machine sometime between 1760 to 1840. The invention of the sewing machine impacted both businesses and families hugely, allowing the mass production of quality clothing and other related textiles at minimal expense and time. The mass production of clothing and textiles for the home helped make textiles one of the major drivers of the industrial revolution. Prices were driven down and productivity was driven up, but it also allowed women who uh, Been previously tied to the home, the opportunity to work in factories bringing more income back into the family. Sewing machines become a staple, oh, sorry, became a staple—sorry, became a staple—in many middle-class homes. With the first electric machine arriving in eighteen eighty-nine, clothing could now be produced quickly, efficiently, and. Most importantly, affordably. And this increase in production allowed manufacturers the means to experiment with new designs, fabrics, and styles, fueling the growth of the fashion industry as we know it today. The humble mach- sewing machine was the means of facilitating the rise of many of the very influential fashion designers and fashion houses they could produce their creations efficiently and on a much larger scale. This enabled fashion trends to change more rapidly, allowing for seasonal collections, the hallmark of our modern fashion industry. Fashion, a luxury normally reserved for the elite, became more commonplace for people from all walks of life, all because of the sewing machine. And of course, that's not the end of the story. Modern machines have become extremely versatile, catering to uh, specific needs and tasks. There's the serger that trims and overlocks fabric edges, preventing fraying and creating a clean, professional-looking seam. The embroidery machine, a computerised machine that can dip into myriad intricate embroidery designs and monograms, able to transform textiles and add personality. The quilting machine, designed specifically for quilters, offering a large workspace and advanced features for precise, intricate stitching on layers of fabrics. The cylinder bed sewing machine, designed with a narrow cylindrical sewing surface, perfect for sewing surfaces such as sleeves, cuffs and pant legs. The cover stitch machine, a professional grade machine that sews a top stitch, serger seams and serger seams simultaneously, creating a polished, durable finish for hems and seams on knit and stretch fabrics. The industrial machine, high speed, heavy duty machines built for commercial production, offering increased efficiency, durability and precision for large scale sewing operations. The zigzag machine, created specifically for tasks such as sewing elastic materials or creating decorative stitches. Sewing machines are now highly sophisticated, incorporating computerized systems and advanced features, all geared towards making sewing more efficient, more enjoyable, and more precise. There's now a wide range of stitch options, automatic needle threading and even digitised embroidery capabilities. There's no doubt that there's been a resurgent uh, resurgence of interest in sewing, whether from online platforms, the DIY movement or the demand for personal, personalised eco-friendly products, with many individuals turning their hobbies into their own small businesses, even to online teaching. So, I have to wonder what the pioneers of the numerous inventions of the sewing machine would make of the advancements of today. Englishman John Fisher, who's almost overlooked because of misfiling at the Patents Office in 1844, resulting in his patent being lost and left out of the legal debacle that followed. Then there's the Elias Howe Jr story. A man pinched by poverty who watched his wife sew by hand and wrestled for years looking for ways to create a mechanized sewing machine who took on some pretty big companies legally and won, dying a very rich man indeed. As technology advances so too does the sewing machine with smart machines now able to connect to the internet using artificial intelligence to enhance sewing capabilities and experience. Scary perhaps but promising and exciting nonetheless. So, the next time you use your sewing machine, give some thought to the fascinating history of not only the invention of the sewing machine, but also of its progression to what we see now. I know I couldn't live without a domestic sewing machine in my life. It's the holy grail of pleasure, fulfilment and creativity for me. What is it for you, I wonder? As always, thank you so much for your time. I love having you here and it's truly appreciated. Tell your friends to tune in and subscribe and let's make 2023 the best year ever. Stitch Safari has now reached over 13.7 thousand downloads and that's all thanks to you. It's also been mentioned as one of the 20 best embroidery podcasts of 2021 by Welp magazine, listed uh, on one of the top shows about embroidery by Repod in 2022 and recorded in the top five textile industry podcasts you must follow in 2023 by Feedspot. And I'm extremely grateful please leave a message and subscribe to the Stitch Safari podcast. There's just so much more to discover and it's all so fascinating. I do post interesting tidbits on Instagram and Facebook from time to time, as well as book reviews and a blog on the Stitch Safari website. So do head on over. Till the next exciting episode of Stitch Safari and our next inspiring adventure into Stitch embroidery and design. Bye for now.